0: Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it will help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Morning. The first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, the 50th chapter. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I've listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheek to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. He who gives me justice is near. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? Here ends the first reading. Please join me in reading a portion of Psalm 116 responsively. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he has to listen, I will raise Death wrapped its ropes around me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and He saved me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. We'll the second reading is a reading from James in the third chapter. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel.
1: This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, "'Who do people say that I am?' "'Well,' they replied, "'some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say you're one of the prophets.' Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord. My daughter once said to me, I don't love you. I know she didn't mean it because she was three at the time and had no filter. But for a brief moment, it hurt. She said it in anger, maybe a little in jest, uh, because she gets a response from me. Both of my kids get responses from me. (laughs) They call each other bad names. They flounce off to sulk on the couch. They scream and stomp. They probably get it from me. (laughs) And I probably got it from my folks. This is what we call, in the business, original sin. Not the speaking, the specific sulking or the the stomping itself, but the something that we can't shake. The thing that we learn from the previous generation. We can work on acting better in a given moment to do better about particular hurtful actions, like name-calling or charging ridiculous interest to poor people. That's changing a behavior. But always underneath that is the potential to hurt, the desire to shape the world in our own image. It's more like a posture than an action. My dad used to say uh, there's sin with a little s and sin with a big s. Sin with a little s is just the stuff we do every day that maybe you have some control over. Sin with a big s is that larger underlying thing that just always exists. It's what writer Francis Spufford defines as sin. He says, it's humanity's propensity to screw things up. Propensity meaning our natural inclination, something that is constant, unavoidable. It's like the difference in scale between using plastic stirrers in our coffee and the world's dependence on plastic and oil. We could replace all of our stirrers with linguine, which biodegrades, works really well, side note, works really well, and that would be an excellent step, but lurking above us is the certainty that we as a species are going to continue to destroy the planet. Now, side note, it's conventional wisdom that a sermon should begin with the bad news, so that the good news has something to speak into, so we're in the bad news part of the sermon, just FYI. In the reading today, James's rant is specifically about the kind of sin where we wound one another with our words. I really liked that image with the tongue. <laughs> it was good. That hits close to home for me. Surely, I'm not the only one who wants to physically pull back my words sometimes. I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I was tired. I was hungry. I was speaking in anger. I didn't have all the facts. Just let me not have said that thing. In arguments with my husband, in the heat of anger, I tend to come over condescending and judgy. How could you not know this one simple piece of information, Leighton? Guess how well that goes over. Sometimes I yell, too. I don't really want to read this part of my sermon. (laughs) It's, It's shameful to say it out loud. And you notice that there's a behavior there, right? Sort of the way I speak or the thing that I'm saying, but there's also a posture, an orientation towards myself and away from him. So I confess that to you now, because this is the Christian Assembly and that's what we do. I confess to you as well in the hopes that you understand that you have your own ways that you speak, that you need to confess. The only way out is through. On a larger scale, the things we say about each other on social media, the truth that sounds like attacks, lies that sound like truth, condescension and judgment and willful misunderstanding, it's not just the Russian bots on social media that egg us on. We don't need them. We do it ourselves. Sin. This is the sin of behavior that we can practice changing and it's also the propensity to screw things up. Our posture being directed towards our own egos or away from the other person as opposed to being in a posture towards kindness. In the discipleship groups at the Edge House, we have read a blog post called, Why Are Christians So Mean? It's written by a woman who is a Christian and had noticed that many folks in our country look at us askance. They think, you follow the Prince of Peace, yet yell at one another all the time. What gives? So she wanted to look more into that. She uh, very briefly did a Google search of that exact phrase, why are Christians so mean, and came up with 5,190 results. When I Googled it yesterday, I got 15,000 results. Christians seem to lead the way in perplexing people about our hypocrisy. But it wasn't always this way. Certainly not in the early church. Tertullian remarked, look how they love each other. And Aristides wrote, they walk in all humility and kindness. Oh, I want somebody to say that about me. I want someone to say that about us regularly. When's the last time you heard someone outside the church say that? about Christians. How we act and what we say makes a difference. Like James says in his letter, no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. Well said. So let's make this more concrete. Still the bad news part, sorry. Hurricane Florence is settling in over the Carolinas, apparently followed by Hurricanes Joyce, Helene, and Isaac still waiting out in the Atlantic. We're going to have to get used to volatile weather systems in a climate change era. Anyway, thousands and thousands of people have followed the mandatory evacuation, which is good. There are thousands of people who have chosen to stay in their homes and ride it out. I don't know if that's good or bad, they just have. Thousands more can't leave because they don't have the money. It's expensive to evacuate. But around 1,000 South Carolinians were not allowed to evacuate prisoners. There are logistical issues surrounding evacuating people who are meant to be held in secure locations. Some could escape in previous evacuations. Some prisoners have escaped. It's time-consuming and expensive, but aren't they also human beings? Being incarcerated doesn't mean we care less for them. Indeed, Jesus himself said, when we visit the imprisoned, we visit him, and he was meant to proclaim release to the captives. During Hurricane Katrina, 1,000 inmates in Orleans Parish Prison prison spent five days in chest-high water without food or drinkable water. Is this how we treat our brothers and sisters? Is this how we treat Jesus? Jesus? What we say isn't just words, it has consequences. Our behavior can be changed, it's hard. Our posture away from other people's humanity, that's harder. Years ago, when one of my favorite musicians, Johnny Cash, was singing in prisons for the inmates, his manager tried to gently disabuse him of the notion. If you've seen the movie, Walk the Line, the film adaptation of this scene is The manager says, your fans are church folk, Johnny, Christians. They don't want to hear you singing to a bunch of murderers trying to cheer them up. What does Johnny Cash say? Well, they're not Christian then. Ouch. Did you you guys expect me to preach about sin today? It's a season for everything, I guess. Luckily, we're now going to switch to the season of mercy and grace. Y'all, we try to love God with our hearts, our souls, and our minds, and love our neighbors as ourselves, and we also speak poorly of each other and refuse to forgive. From the same mouth come blessings and curses. My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. And I think James is kind of angry with us. Somebody at 8 o'clock said, um, somebody at 8 o'clock said, I think he's a, a pastor who's writing a pastoral letter to his congregation after they've all been super grumpy with each other like they're all yelling. (laughs) I love it. I think he's angry with us, but I think he's also inviting us into something new. It's not just this kind of thing, right? I think he's saying, guys, there's another way to be. It doesn't have to be like this. We follow a man and love a God who are constantly calling us to open wide our arms to people that we think we can't do that with. And that's scary. It's not about accepting everything that they do. It's not about a grim obligation either. It's about the freedom and the joy that we receive when we do it. I bet every one of you who has done something the last two weekends with God's work, our hands, has that feeling. In opening your arms, in showing up, you received a sense of openness and freedom and love and connection. When we take people seriously, when we welcome them in, we listen to their stories with curiosity, we are blessed. This is redemption. This is celebration. How we use our tongues, James says, what we say is everything. And sometimes we get it right. Sometimes our tongues speak love and comfort and encouragement in just the right moment. My friend Phil is a priest in town. And I don't know if you remember it in the news um, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Uh, Withrow High School had been vandalized. Somebody took some spray paint and wrote the N-word. I don't remember if it was on the sidewalk or on the wall of the building. Um, It's a predominantly black school. And the next day, tons of people from the neighborhood showed up and lined the sidewalk and cheered the students as they came into school that morning. It was beautiful. We love you. We're here for you. And my friend Phil showed up in his collar and his black cassock with this giant sign that he made. That says, You are a blessing. And just held it up. That's what we needed. But you notice it's not just the words, they all showed up. They were there with their bodies, with their feet, they said, You are a blessing. I think that's the heart of it. Showing up is what we're called to do. This is courage. Courage isn't not being afraid. Courage is showing up even when you are afraid. And showing up is our behavior in response to a new posture. When someone is mourning, we sit with them. Maybe we bring a casserole. When someone's imprisoned, we show up and we speak to them through the glass. When someone's celebrating, we show up and celebrate with them, even if we don't really understand why they're happy. When someone says something hurtful to us, we tell them. We show up to that conversation. Thank God my husband is willing to do that for me. This is what Jesus did in the incarnation. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. It happened and it still happens. This is what God is doing in every moment showing up. This week, I spent several hours in the Starbucks in the CCM building talking to students. The specifics of why are not my story to tell, but something violent happened in this small group of friends and they were struggling to make sense of it. One of our members here asked me if I could talk to them, so I went to the Starbucks and drank a lot of coffee. It was hard work to listen, to hear. I couldn't fix it. I really, really wanted to. But nothing I say can take away their pain. Nothing I say will magically fix their relationships or take away their anxiety. Words don't do that. But each person left our conversation lighter. I could see it in their bodies. And they said it. They left more aware of the possibilities open to them instead of being stuck in this little box like they thought. And it's not because I'm a poet or a magician. It's because I was there. I showed up. I listened to them. I took them seriously. And this church does that all the time. All the time at Taft and Habitat and IHN with the LGBTQ community and atheists on campus and countless other places throughout this community. I mean, God's work, our hands, weekends. That's what y'all did. You showed up. It's not so much about the work that we do, though that's good too. That's hugely important. Literally, it's that you showed up. You voted with your feet. When you do that, you are recognizing the humanity of the people around you, and you are saying, just by your presence, You are a blessing to them. You're saying you are worthy of love and belonging. Sin still exists. We can't get rid of it. We're going to screw things up again and again. It's just what we do. And yet there is grace and mercy unbounded at the same time. And so just as much as you say to all of those people out there, You are worthy of love and belonging. You are a blessing. I say this to you now. You are worthy of love and belonging. You are a blessing. May it be so.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.